Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson. Over the last two weeks, our podcast has taken a quick fall break. My family and I were able to celebrate my sister getting married. And so it was such a sweet time of celebration and busyness and so much fun for our family. But we are so excited to have the podcast be back on a normal rotation as we head into November and December. I hope you were able to spend those two weeks um, preparing for fall. If you had any fall festivities or if you were able to catch up on old podcast episodes from Kids Ministry Circle. I am so excited for today's guest. His name is Brian Dollar, and Brian was recently able to re-release a book that is new to a lot of kids ministry leaders. It was new to me, and I know that it's new to so many of you. Brian's book is called I Blew It, The Biggest Mistakes I've Made in Ministry and How You Can Avoid Them. Brian has served in vocational ministry for so many years, and I can't tell you how many stories he shared while recording and also offline on how he has failed as a leader and how the leaders under him had failed as leaders and how he is able to create a team culture where you can learn from your mistakes, you can take chances knowing that you may or may not fail and continue to be a great leader. You're going to love this conversation with Brian. And if you are leading teams or new to leadership in yourself or just find yourself in a space where you feel like you're failing a lot, this conversation is going to be encouraging and it's going to give you a lot of practical advice on how to prepare, how to plan, how to um, reflect on different things and different seasons and different events. And so I know this is a super important conversation because we all make mistakes. And Brian has such wisdom on how to learn from them and keep going. On to my conversation with Brian Dollar. Brian, welcome to the podcast. I am excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. Looking forward to having this conversation and certainly, uh, hopefully, allowing your listeners to get to know me a little bit better. Yeah. So I would love for you to kind of kick off our episode and just give us a little background about who you are, where you are serving, how'd you got, how you got started in the kids ministry world. And for those of you who are familiar with you and have read your book, have heard this story, cause I just read it in your book. Um, but I would love for you to share it with us anyways. Well, I, uh, I am, Brian Dollar. I serve as uh, the associate pastor here at First NLR, that's First Assembly of God in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, I've actually been here uh, for almost 24 years. I'll celebrate my 24th year here on staff. Uh, came here as the kids pastor in 1999, uh, transitioned to uh, associate pastor in 2016, and uh, I still oversee uh, all 11 of our campus kids pastors, and oversee our curriculum development, which uh, is for uh, not just our campuses, but uh, others might know it as High Voltage Kids Ministry Resources. Been doing that for a little over 20 years now, and uh, definitely have seen God uh, take us to places I never thought we'd go. We're in over 15,000 churches around the world and continuing to to increase that, and so we're we're blessed and thankful, but uh, yeah, I, I started in kids ministry like a lot of people, uh, accidentally and backward. Uh, I thought I was supposed to be a youth pastor and then a lead pastor because you know, hey, I'm called into full time ministry. Those those are the two steps you're supposed to take. And uh, God kind of 
and I, I actually write the whole uh, story in uh, one of the chapters in the book. But, uh, you know, God kind of tapped me on the shoulder uh, one afternoon when I was about to have a meeting with my my lead pastor. And he made it very clear that uh, he had a much different plan for me. And uh, he he told me to, to share that with my pastor. And what's funny is I walked in and shared that I felt like I was supposed to be in kids ministry. And my pastor said, literally just got through praying, God, I don't have a, a role for him in youth ministry, but we need a kid's pastor. And I think he'd be great. Put that in his heart. So mm. God kind of put it all together. And lo and behold, here I am, uh, you know, 30 years into ministry and still thriving uh, in my heart for a passion for kids ministry. And uh, don't believe that's ever going to die. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing stories where you like think you're going one direction and you're like, oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then God is like, actually, I want you to stay in kids ministry. Because I think a lot of times leaders, they don't look at kids ministry and think it's less than, but maybe they feel like I'm not as kooky enough or fun enough or like, I don't love kids enough. And then they find themselves in this spot where it's like, oh, I actually am enjoying kids ministry. And they kind of ask those big questions of, am I supposed to stay here? And oftentimes people get surprised by yeah. maybe how God has called them to serve in kids ministry. And it's so fun to hear stories of executive pastors and associate pastors like you who started in kids ministry. And I know I worked for an executive pastor who started in kids ministry. And let me tell you, those are kind of some of the best executive <laughs> pastors to work under because they know the value of kids ministry and are willing to kind of advocate for you in a way that is so unique. So I bet all your kids team that serves alongside you is so grateful. They're well, like, I've got Brian on my side. <laughs> I hope they are. But certainly I was just talking with our, uh, our main campus kids pastor this week, actually. And uh, I told him, uh, you know, number one, I miss I miss it so much the day to day and week to week in kids ministry. But I told him there's only two things that I don't miss, and that is lock ins and oh. spending the night at a kids camp. I'd I'd love to do the day part of kids camp and come home and sleep in my own bed. You know, at 50, yes. I'm just not interested in those really horrible bunk beds that they have at camp. Uh, yes. it doesn't do my back any favors. So those are the only yep. two things I I don't miss. I know. I'm surprised that people are still doing lock-ins. To me, that is like, uh, that seems like forever ago where that was popular, but I guess it's the, still a thing. He had 85 kids all night long, and this was just fourth oh and fifth graders. So you can imagine the craziness that endured, <laughs> he endured all night long. It was that, crazy. that sounds crazy. Well, I hope that he is well cared for. I'm sure he is. <laughs> he is. And what's, what's really fun is that he actually, when I got here in 1999, he was eight years old and in our kids ministry. And now he's the kids pastor and I get to pour into him and watch him just thrive and do an incredible job leading uh, our main campus team. And he's, he's phenomenal. He's a great guy. That's so sweet. What a fun story. Okay. So I do want to talk about your book because you kind of re-released your book. And if people have read it before, or maybe they're, they just picked it up or they have no idea what it is, it's a very vulnerable book. You talk about a lot of mistakes that you made yeah. in your ministry career. And like we were chatting before we hit record was a lot of people like to talk about things they do well. Right. And say, hey, we started this initiative or we launched this program. And it's 
so great. And here's all my strategies for succeeding in ministry. And you say, here's all my strategies for not blowing it or for (laughs) trying to like learn from your mistakes and acknowledging that we make mistakes. You will make mistakes in ministry. I have made mistakes in my ministry career. And so kind of walk me through the process of you feeling convicted to write this book and then talk about why you wanted to re-release it. Well, you know, I wrote it initially uh, kind of uh, celebrating or kind of marking a milestone anyway of my 20th year in ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had seen a lot of books uh, out there that were like you just described, uh, you know, the 10 best strategies to do this and, you know, uh, carbon copy our ministry and how we did this and you'll be a success too and that type of thing. And I, I just wasn't interested in that. Um, I really wanted to focus in on the things that really helped me grow. And, you know, when any of us look back on our life, yeah, we, we like to tell the stories of our successes. But if we really are honest with ourselves, it's in the moments that we fell on our face or that we fell short and learned some valuable lessons. That's when we really grew. And uh, I wanted to write a book uh, about failure because I wanted to normalize that and, and help people understand failure is inevitable especially in ministry, because uh, if, if, you're, if you're trying new things, if you're pushing yourself to grow, uh, if you're pursuing big goals, guess what? You're not going to bat a thousand. <laughs> you're going to strike out every once in a while. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself, because right. failure is an opportunity to learn. And uh, besides even that, ministry is about people. And when you work with people, you are going to have moments where uh, either you don't respond to someone correctly, or you you make the wrong assumption about somebody else's motive, or maybe you even just you know drop the ball with a ministry assignment. Those mistakes uh, can either be something that 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 pushes us to uh, you know because a lot of people when they make a mistake, what do they do? They you know uh, start to argue their point, you know, and no, I wasn't wrong. Right. I, you know, I did it because of this, you know, or or they cover it up and and they just pretend it didn't happen tell half truths and, you know, try to just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, what my pastor calls scramble mode. They go into just uh, this and that, and they just talk so fast and try to just make you forget that they blew it. Or they actually make the mistake of burying their head in their pillow and just kind of letting the emotions of the failure overwhelm them. And a lot of those people end up quitting the ministry or or just kind of, kind of just leaving the church or leaving their faith. It's really sad. And I wanted to help people understand there's a healthy way to process failure. Uh, there's a, 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 a wise way to approach uh, the aftermath of big mistakes. And if you'll learn how, it's not a matter, you know, the title, you mentioned it, but the title is I Blew It. And it's not a matter of, are you going to blow it? It's how are you going to respond when you blow it? Yeah. And so you yeah. got to learn how to manage the negative impact of those mistakes and ask the right questions. Yeah, that's so good. And now I have so many other questions circling (laughs) other than the ones that I sent you. But I would love to kind of speak into the kids ministry, pastor, director, leader who's leading the ministry and maybe feels like they are blowing it all the time. And they feel like they're just, they can't they feel like they're underwater a little bit and they yeah. feel like they can't get on top of things. They're making mistake after mistake after mistake. And they're just kind of stuck in this cycle. What would be your words of encouragement for those leaders who find themselves 
making these big mistakes and are not sure how to break the cycle of, okay, I made a mistake. Now, how do I learn from it? Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the biggest questions about that would be, are they making new mistakes or the same mistakes? Right. Because it's okay to make new mistakes. Because if you're if you're stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something you never tried before, you're probably not going to do it just at the top level of excellence the very first right. try. Uh, so making new mistakes is never a problem. Uh, it's when you're in a cycle of the same mistake over and over. I've found most of the time the reason why people get in those, uh, those, those cycles is because they're not responding to the initial mistake properly. Um, mm. I think there's, there's certain steps that you've got to take. Cause when you make, when you blow it, if you try to bluff your way through it, first of all, your team and your, and your boss knows that you blew it. They see what happened. <laughs> They're not right. fooled when you act like nothing happened. And so when you try to bluff your way through it, you're losing trust with your team. You're losing trust with your, your leader. And that's not going to help you grow and help you become more and more, uh, dependable, and it's not going to build trust with your team. So if you want to rebuild that trust, see, we think if we admit that we blew it and we draw attention to it, um, then suddenly we're, we're going to go down in everybody's esteem. Right. The opposite. The opposite is true. When you step up and you own it, when you admit that you made a mistake and you own it, you don't blame other people. You don't blame circumstances. You, you truly own it. That actually elevates you in other people's esteem. It doesn't lower you, it elevates you. Mm -hmm. And so here's the steps that, that, that people have to take if they find themselves in that cycle. You got to admit it, say it happened. Then you got to own it. Don't throw blame around. Say it was me. I blew it. It was me. And then study it. You got to study the mm -hmm. issue because you got to find out what led to this. What roadblocks did I blow through <laughs> in order to get here? What right. advice did I ignore in order to make this mistake? What steps in the process did I lack? And so admit it, own it, study it, and then address it. What changes do you got to make? What things do you have to change in order to keep from that happening again? So admit it, own it, study it, address it, and then don't repeat it. <laughs> so yeah. that's the cycle. It's because once you've gone through the process, if you really do that, those first four steps, you really honestly do that and allow God to really, you know, speak deeply into your heart, then you're going to have a, a almost a, a spiritual built-in radar for the issues that led to that mistake from the beginning. Right. And so if you'll allow that radar to lead and guide, just call the Holy Spirit, first of all, mm -hmm. and he will convict you and help you and, and guide you into all truth. And if you'll really, uh, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable and open and, and just be honest about who you are and where your shortcomings are, I promise you, he will help you to avoid the cycle of the same mistake over and over. The reason we fall into that cycle is because we, we refuse to own it and we want to point to somebody else. It was their fault. It was that staff member. Yeah. Somebody didn't tell me what I needed. And it's not, it's not me. Don't look at me. Yeah. And I think what you said about, well, one, what you said about the Holy Spirit piece and listening to the Holy Spirit, I think is so key yeah. because a lot of times we get into the cycle of making mistakes is because, and you talk about this in your book, but we try and do things all by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we try and take control and just listen to our own voice and not really take into consideration the voice of the Holy Spirit who is there to guide you. Like, why not utilize it? It's right there. Like, it's in you. The power of God is in you. And 
I think that's such a key part. But my follow-up question to that is you talked a little bit about roadblocks and kind of those clues that kind of help you maybe steer clear of those mistakes. Yeah. What would be some of those for you as you're planning, as you're preparing an event or Sunday morning, what are some of those things that you can begin to look for? Um, one of the things that comes to mind is you tell a story early on in your book about how you were playing an Easter egg hunt for <laughs> your preschoolers and you like put the preschool Easter egg hunt like down by the rocks and I'm like, to me, <laughs> and to me, I was like, man, I wonder like a roadblock that came to mind. I was like, oh, maybe he just should have like talked to another parent and was like, Imagine what do you think that. about if yes. I did this? And so what are some of those other roadblocks that you encourage leaders to maybe consult or to think through or maybe red flags you should like, oh, that's can oftentimes be a mistake in the making. Yeah, I think most of the time when we make, uh, and, and if we're talking about mistakes versus, uh, you know, your big failures, because I think there there are two different things. I think mistakes, uh, you know, you make uh, accidentally and you make because you just, you know, maybe didn't see something. And, and I, I consider mistakes stepping stones. You know, they'll help you learn, help you get where you want to be. Failures, on the other hand, that that's more dealing with character and mm -hmm. uh, dealing with real deep heart issues. And those aren't stepping stones. Those are landmines. You don't yeah. step on those. Instead, you you have to figure out how to uncover those. They will destroy you if you step on them. And uh, really, they'll destroy everything in, in your, your life, really. Uh, and so you can't brush over failures. You have to uh, address them with a deep level of you know, kind of putting yourself on the operating table and allowing God to do some major heart surgery on you before you move forward. Um, but I think a lot of the time, the reason why we make mistakes, those simple things, because we're going too fast. You know, I think mm. so life is just coming at us so fast. And uh, if, if anybody out there listening, you know, identifies with this, uh, certainly I am, I am with you. Uh, I have what's called action bias. Um, which means I rarely, you know, naturally, I don't stop to think, plan, and prepare. Instead, I just do. I, if I see something that needs to be done, I just go after it and try to fix it and start doing it. Um, I'm, I'm always having to be doing something. It's hard for me to push pause, step back, and really put a plan together and really execute yeah. well. That's not that's not my natural DNA. Now I've learned. <laughs> because so many mistakes happen because of that. I've learned to operate differently. But I think that one is one thing that causes people to make mistakes. They're moving too quick. They don't slow down, prioritize, uh, strategize, and really think about what's the best way to execute this. And then don't just go about your own plan, but consult God and say, Lord, is this a good idea or is this a God idea? You know, help mm. me understand the difference and then open beyond that, allow a uh, staff and team that you're that you're serving with to speak into the process. And yes, parents as well <laughs> get wisdom. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of times we try to do ministry uh, on an island or in this little private laboratory that we've constructed. And we want to come out with the great idea and show everybody how smart we are. And I think that's mm -hmm. where we end up blowing it big time. Certainly for me, yep. that's where a lot of my big uh, early mistakes stemmed from was self-reliance instead of God-reliance. Yeah. And I think what's key to that is not only listening to the Holy Spirit and 
asking God for wisdom, but it's also seeking your teammates. And yeah. and the thing is that this is why I love working on a staff team and then having a team of volunteers and a team of parents because everyone sees things differently and everyone is gifted differently. And so if I, I may not see something yeah. and a parent who maybe they have a special needs child and they're like, Hey, actually that's not going to work or that's not going to be helpful for this group of your community right. or your, I don't know. One person I would always love to consult is our hospitality team because they just think about the way things look and feel yeah. and are inviting. They just think about those things so differently. Yes. And it's like, everyone has been given these gifts and it's like, why not utilize them so that you can have a successful event or training or Sunday morning, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, not only having people speak into your life for wisdom and kind of helping you see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise, but I think also there's a level of accountability that uh, helps us keep from falling into cycles of mistakes. Uh, if we make ourselves accountable to our leaders, uh, to our fellow staff members, and even to some parents that, you know, we trust and know they have our best interests at heart, you're accountable to them. And so after an event, say, tr truth level honesty, how did that go? Did you see any, did you see any holes? What, what did we not do well? And really get, it's amazing what happens when you uh, allow yourself to be accountable and, and offering accountability is so much better than having it demanded of you <laughs> because yep. if you fail over and over again, you're going to, the person who's leading you eventually is going to demand accountability from you. Right. Right. You're going to have to come to me and tell me exactly what the steps you're taking are. <laughs> and so offering that to your leaders, to your team and to uh, other people that you trust, that will help you not make the same mistakes over and over again. And and one other thing that you had asked me earlier and it just came to me, but uh, another thing that I do regularly to keep myself from, from hopefully making mistakes in the future is I have uh, what I would call uh, regular moments of looking under the hood. So I, I use that term because I'm thinking about my vehicle. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you, if you just constantly drive, 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 and you never stop, look under the hood and see if there are any potential uh, future problems, you're going to end up blowing a gasket or busting a hose or something, yep. you know, something's going to go wrong and you're going to be stuck on the side of the road. If you would have just regularly stopped, lift the, lifted the hood of your spiritual life and, and ask God, okay, Lord. Uh, give me give me a spiritual tune up. Look at every area of my life, my motives, my my thoughts, my my expectations of others, uh, whatever it is that needs to be fixed or addressed, even if it's something that can't be done quickly, but it might take a while for us to go through a process. Lord, I'm willing to do that. Show that to me. It, mm -hmm. Most of the time in my life, when I have had major failures, especially character issues that end up showing up. It's because I refuse to look under the hood. I refuse to take those moments to really ask myself the tough questions. And it was because I was afraid of what I was going to find when I lifted them. Yes. I knew the yep. problem was there, but I didn't want to be confronted with it. And yep. uh, if you don't confront it before it's a big problem, you're going to end up blowing the engine and on the side of the road. And that is no fun because it affects you, your team, your family, everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
I would love to switch gears a little bit because yeah. you mentioned this a little bit, talking about um, accountability. And we talked about this briefly when we talked about bringing in your staff team. But I would love to kind of switch gears to maybe the supervisor role who maybe has some employees under them and they're leading them and their employees make a mistake. From your perspective as someone who oversees multiple staff, yeah. what is your role or what is what is the role of the supervisor or the boss when your staff team blows it? When they either make a huge failure or a little mistake, yeah. what can you do as the boss? Well, number one, I work to create an atmosphere where mistakes are okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mistakes are permitted. Matter of fact, I, I, I tell our team, uh, the people that I lead all the time, I expect you to, to make mistakes. I expect you to fall short of perfection anyway. Um, now, I want it to be for new things, and I want, it to, I want you to have learned from the past mistakes, but they're, they're, if, they're, if they're given their all and they're, uh, they're, they're asking for input and they're, they're, you know, they're doing all the things that they know to do to have a successful event or ministry or, or, or whatever, then if, if they fail or make a mistake, I got a lot of grace for that because mm-hmm. Lord knows I have been given so much grace. I will tell you, the people that read the book will look at uh, my pastor, Rod Loy, uh, and say, how did God create such a benevolent and grace-filled person? Because the fact that I'm still here, and not only that I'm still here, but now I'm in a supervisory role over over staff members, is a shock to everybody mm-hmm. because there's so many big-time mistakes. But, you know, to whom much is, when, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have a lot of grace for the people that I lead because I've been given so much grace. And so if you're leading a team, you got to, in the moment, you're frustrated because, you know, you probably had to explain to some parents about what happened and you've had to kind of eat crow because you didn't see it coming. So I get it. You, you're a little irritated and you're a little uh, edgy, but you got to stop for a minute and think back. Okay. What does my past look like? How many right. times did I skip a step? How many times did I blow it before I got to this place where I'm at? And somebody allowed me to continue serving, even though I blew it. And so I need to coach my my person that, I, that is following me, that I'm leading through the process that I described earlier. I got to help them own it, admit it, face it, uh, you know, ask all the big questions and then uh, address it and, and really help help them walk through those steps. And I do that all the time. Now, now, you know, people that have, have served on me for a long time, they, they know the steps by heart and they, you know, they, they do a really good job of just rather than me having to confront it, they come and say, all right, here's what happened. Here's what I see that I did wrong. And now here's what I'm going to do differently. What do you think? And so yeah. they've already gone through the process and just want me to kind of come at the end and, and bookend it, which I'm happy to do. Uh, but leaders have to, they got to be filled with grace and they've got to be right. willing to not expect from others what they don't want their leader to expect from them. Uh, right. They got to have just as much, you know, the golden rule applies in this situation for sure. Uh, but that, mm-hmm. that, that would be my, uh, my advice to, to leaders. Uh, just be, yeah. be filled with grace and, and take people through the process. Yeah. That's so encouraging. I would love to kind of have you speak to there's, it sounds like there's this like 
fine line that you walk between trying new things and knowing that they may or may not fail or they may or may not succeed. And oftentimes the fear of failure keeps us from doing anything new. Yeah, for sure. And so how do you walk that line of not being overcome with this like, oh no, I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to let people down. I'm good. There's a chance that I'm going to fail. But then also saying, hey, I'm going to try this new thing that may really serve our kids and families. So where's that balance of those things? Oh man, that's hard to define. I think, um, you know, it, it's, I think it starts with recognizing that anything in ministry is going to have some element of fear to it, uh, at least of trepidation and concern, because number one, we are working with people and it affects more than just us. Not only that, uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with people's eternity here. And so there's souls and lives in the balance. We don't want to just, you know, haphazardly go at anything. So you, right. you, you don't, you, while you want to be uh, cautious, uh, you don't want to be filled with fear where, you know, it, it makes you keep your foot on, on first base. You know, I think there's an old saying, uh, it, you can't steal second if you never take your foot off first base. And it's true. You have to be willing to step out and do something uh, that maybe you know, is a little uncomfortable. It's out of our comfort zone. But th- where you find, I think, the balance is recognizing that God's not given us a spirit of fear. So he's given us three things that we should always incorporate when we're facing you know, big things ahead of us. Power, love, and a sound mind. If we will really incorporate those things, the power that he's talking about is not our power. You know, Ephesians 3.20 talks about, you know, Paul said, glory be to God for his mighty power that works in us. It's not our mighty power, it's his. So if we don't lean on our own power, not on our own understanding, but we we actually endure uh, or, or, or allow ourselves to be endued with his power, then I think we're going to be leaning on the right thing. Then love is where you know, recognizing that we're not serving a divine CEO. Uh, We're serving a heavenly father. He loves you. He didn't just call you to do something. He loves you and is seeing you through it. And and you don't have to prove yourself to him. He's already said you're worth it. (laughs) And so that love can take the fear away. Because I think a lot of times the reason why we're filled with fear is we're afraid to let others down, but we're also afraid to let God down. And we're afraid that somehow we're going to cause him to look bad. And, and being unconditionally loved by God brings confidence to our lives. And that confidence, I think, produces courage. Um, you know, Romans 5.8 is where, where Paul talks about, you know, that God demonstrated his own love for us. He died for us. Well, we got to recognize that love was given to us when we were worthless sinners. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we weren't we weren't doing anything that was you know worthy of that love. And so once we allow the power, the love, and then the, I think the sound mind part uh, comes from just uh, allowing God's wisdom to flow through us, not trying to, you know, lean on our own understanding, but recognizing it's it's his wisdom. It's his uh, divine thoughts that we need to be operating under. And if we'll allow those three things to operate in our lives, then we don't have to be afraid. You know, Peter, mm-hmm. you think about it. Peter, when he was, you know, in the storm and Jesus came walking on the water and, uh, you know, Peter said, hey, call, call me, tell me to come out to you. And of course, Jesus did. Well, Peter gets out there. And then the moment he lost focus of Jesus is when he started freaking out and getting afraid and, and you know, falling and starting to drown. 
Well, yep. if that happens to us, which it always does, when we start thinking about how difficult this thing is God's called us to do or how big the, the task is ahead of us, we got to recognize the only thing that's happened when we start getting filled with fear is we just took our focus off Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't have that power, love, and sound mind rocking in our lives like it needs to be. And so if we'll just realign our focus on him and allow him and then do what Peter did. He called out to Jesus and said, save me. You know, call yeah. out to Jesus and say, I'm drowning in my fears. God, help me. I think he will not only think he's promised he will do it. And yes. God's power plus God's love plus a sound mind equals courage in in, uh, in scripture. So uh, I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things we can do. Yeah, that's so great. And that's so encouraging. And I think the only thing I would add to that is God loves your church. Yeah. And he loves your church way more than you love your church. And I think sometimes there's this fear of like, oh, if we do this, or I mean, this is the conversation that I had so much this summer of like, if we stop doing VBS, all of our families are going to leave our church. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't think so. And like, God loves your church and he will sustain your church. And like, if that's his will, then he will do it whether or not you have VBS or not. And I think that's just such a sweet reminder of, of like your church's presence and your church's future does not depend on if you have a trunk or treat or not. (laughs) That's exactly right. And I feel like it can feel like that sometimes. It can feel like, well, we have to get more people in our building and we have to have a higher attendance on Sunday and trunk or treat is the only way to do it. Yeah. That's not the only way to do it. And oftentimes it is just like reassessing and saying, hey God, what are we supposed to do? Yes. Just because your church down the street did a huge trunk or treat event and it got so many people and now they're booming. It's like, that's not how, that's not how God works. And I think it's such a good reminder of like, no, God loves you and he has called you for this role and he loves your church and he wants, he wants the bride of Christ to thrive. Like he wants your church to thrive and be a place for people to come to know Jesus. And I think it's like, it's not, it's not all on me. It's not all on the leader. It's not all on the pastor. And, and so I think that's such a sweet, encouraging moment to say, Hey, you can try new things. Maybe you don't do a trunk or treat. Maybe you do something totally different. Maybe you have this incredible idea that's outside of the box that may be so fun for your community. And that's okay. Right. It's okay to assess and say, Hey, this didn't work for us last year. Now we get to try something new and it may seem scary and you may have to do some extra convincing to your families to get on board. And I think that's the sweet part of ministry is kind of using your creative side and being like, Oh, maybe this will work or maybe this will work or let's try this or let's implement this new song on Sunday. Like all of these things are a fun way to continue to work, to reach the next generation with the gospel. So I loved what you had to say. Well, thank you. And, and I, I just want to piggyback on that because I think a, a lot of times the reason why we get ourselves in these in these moments where we feel so much pressure and feel like it all rides on us, I think it's because we see ourselves as an employee of God rather than a child of God. Mm-hmm. You know, That's and, so good. And God, God is not your divine boss. He is your heavenly father. And, you know, when your kid does something stupid, you know, you tell them. You might even have a little bit of discipline that comes along with it, but you don't disown them. And you certainly don't 
treat them like they're worthless. You say, hey, come here, let me give you a hug. Let me kiss the boo-boo and let's let's learn not to do that again. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's learn what we need to learn to not make that mistake. God wants to do that with us. When we fail, he's our loving heavenly father. If we'll just surrender ourselves to him, he's promised he'll take us to that next step and help us grow because mm-hmm. none of us are done growing until we get to heaven and we are we are 100% perfect. Until then, yep. we're going to need his grace big time yep. every day. But that is so encouraging. And I think this ties in really great to the kind of the last question that we always ask on the podcast, which is if you were talking to someone brand new in ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Uh, you, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that I learned uh Certainly one of the most impacting things that I learned um, in ministry was uh, that I need God more than I ever thought I possibly would. <laughs> you know, John uh, 15, 5, uh, I believe, is where Jesus was talking and, and he said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And mm-hmm. I'm where the life comes from. And yes, you're out there flourishing and, and, and flowering and looking good, but you got to stay connected to me. And I, I think uh, I've seen a lot of young ministers um, focus in a lot on ministry skill and uh, communication skill and even leadership skill. And those skills are great. But you can work, you can work, you can do, you can do, you can pursue big, huge goals, win the lost and raise tons of money for missions. But the fact is, if you're not plugged into your heavenly father, eventually you're going to be like the branches that Jesus went on to talk about. And that's those that did not remain connected to him. They shrivel up and they die and they're thrown into the fire and burned. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that kind of branch. I want to be the one that thrives and, and flourishes. And, uh, you know, I tell a, a whole story in one of the chapters of, I mean, I, I literally crashed and burned it back in 2008 as I had been doing an awful lot, but doing it all in my energy and in my ingenuity and, uh, and kind of taking credit for it all at the same time, forgetting that God's the source of every idea, every bit of energy and strength that I have. I have nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I yeah. am nothing. And I think if there's one piece of advice that I would give to, to young ministers, uh, children's ministry leaders especially, uh, it's there's no substitute for a daily intimate connection with your heavenly father. Spend time with him daily. Stay plugged in and connected to the vine so that you'll always be filled with life. You'll always be filled with with brand new, awesome spiritual ideas. And you'll always know who gets the glory because it's him you're connected to. It ain't about me. It's about him. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. I love this episode. I think hopefully the listeners walk away feeling so encouraged And we will link all the things in the show notes for this episode. So we're going to link where to get your book. We're going to link high voltage curriculum because I know that is super well loved in the kids ministry world. So we'll link that down below so people can do some research, find your book, all the fun things. But 
Brian, I'm so thankful that you were able to join us on the podcast. It was so fun having you. I am thankful to be here. And I realized I didn't answer the one question you asked me, which was, why did I re-release the book? Oh, yes. I actually went through the whole thing and uh, and revised and updated uh, and added several chapters. And I wanted to uh, release it to uh, kind of the next generation of kid men leaders that are coming up uh, because I want to help them avoid the the ministry pitfalls uh, that I fell into. And I'm believing that uh, through reading the book that they'll be able to laugh at me and learn a lot about how to grow and become more uh, of who God wants them to be. Yes, I know it's going to serve ministry leaders so well. So thanks again. It was great having you on the podcast. My honor. Thank you very much. Friends, that was such a great conversation with Brian. I hope that you feel encouraged. I know I was encouraged just by listening to story after story about how Brian learned from his mistakes, how he continued to make mistakes, and how he owned the fact that he is not a perfect leader. But out of that weakness, God shines through. God's power is way bigger than ours, and we can trust that the Holy Spirit is working in and through us in every moment and every success and every failure. And so I hope that you feel equipped to lead teams and lead your staff if you have a staff underneath you, or if you just continue to lead up and lead those around you. I hope that this conversation was encouraging and continue to equip you to lead and love and serve those around you. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. We've got a link to Brian's book. We've got a link to the curriculum that Brian helps lead high voltage. So if you're looking for a new curriculum, definitely check that out. If you would like to keep the conversation going, you can head over to at kids ministry circle on both Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.